go ahead on and get started now that Russell is here. Uh, so nice to see you as always. I'm glad you um, got up and decided to come out this morning and visit this class. We're proud to have you. We have an expert presenta- uh, presenter today, my good friend here. Uh, so I know he, got, he I, and I know he can write because look what he did. Unless Sanders sneaked in here and did that, but anyway, we do thank you for coming. So let's have prayer, and then we first of all, any any prayer request? Let's see if we have a prayer request. For arms. Yes, for arms. Arms. And what's that date again, Arn? Oh yeah, that's right. Hey, I I knew that. 3.30, isn't it? What, at 3.30? I think he got... Uh, 3.30? No, it's at 1 o'clock. 1 o'clock. Okay. Any others? General Assembly this week? Yeah, that's right, Jim. In Atlanta? Linda and her. Hmm? Linda and Who? Linda. Yeah, Linda Irvin, uh, mother and father. Okay. Others? And we'll continue to remember Frank and the loss of his daughter. And I understand he's doing real well now. He said he'll be happy when his sons leave and go back home. So. <laughs> that's a good sign. <laughs> yeah, that's always a good sign. So anyway, we uh, we we all been blessed. Let's pray. Father, we thank you uh, for this beautiful day that you've given us and help us to be guided in the direction in which you would have us to go. May we uh, help those who are in need of help, and may we be there for those who are in need of prayer. And we do thank you for our church family. We thank you for all of our brothers in Christ. And we know that you love us. Because you give us things that we have no business having. So we know that we are blessed because you are the Alpha and Omega. And help us not to get anxious. We know that sometimes we get anxious for things that we think should happen. But we also at the same time know that you're in charge. So let us be patient. And as we talk about our subject this morning in Dick Becker's presentation, may you be with him and us, and may we all leave here with treasure of, of information that we can use later on. And we do lift up Arn to you, and may things go well for him tomorrow. And for Linda and uh, her mother and stepfather, who are getting on up in age now, but they seem to be doing rather well here lately. So we do thank you for that, and they got moved into a new place, and that's a blessing. And uh, we just lift up those who've lost loved ones. So now be with us, lead, guide, and direct us in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Sir? Are you ready? We're ready. All right. Especially now that Bob is here. Yeah, especially, well, we were waiting for Bob. <laughs> okay. Okay, good morning. 
I think that's where you always start. Uh, on the board here is pretty much the whole thing. So, you know, they usually give you an outline. There it is. And now we'll see if we can fill in the blanks in between and see if it makes some sense to us. So this morning, we'll be talking about being united in love and the role that love plays in the major issue we've been studying, which is communion of the saints. Frequently, we state our Christian beliefs in the Apostles' Creed. And we always say, among our beliefs is, we believe in the communion of saints. How many of you remember saying that? How many times can you remember you said that? But now the point is, we say the words... Do we really, really know what we're saying? So that's what we're, that's what this whole program, and now we're into the fifth week of this program of learning what that is. What is it we're saying that we believe in? In this study, we have the opportunity to learn and discuss what it means to believe in the communion of saints. Now, if we get back to the basics, and I think we talked about this last week, we would look at for me, I have to sort of get fundamental. So I go back and look at the first words. Saints. Okay. What's it mean to you? Is it, does it have a meaning to you? When I say that word, what do you think of? This is, this is the time for you to talk. <laughs> I, I can tell you, but you're supposed to tell me. Fellow believers. Fellow believers. Okay, so these are what we're talking about. I got into a question in my mind, and maybe later Jim or somebody clever can come up with the answer. Do they have to be church members, our church members, or just fellow believers? Think about that one. But let's start out to make this simple. Our church members, for the time being. I think it's broader than that, but if we can deal with just that one, I think we're that may be enough for us to bite off. Okay, so then... I'm not going to ask you communion because I went and looked this up in the dictionary. And it said, The sharing or exchanging of intimate thoughts, feelings, especially when the exchange is on a mental or spiritual level. Well, I thought about that and I said, I thought, I think for a Christian family, we see more to it than just sharing thoughts and ideas. There's something more deep to it. Well, they got into the Greeks, and the Greek had a word for communion. It, it was koinonia. And now, when we get into that word koinonia, do you realize why this week that has been a really special word? No. Do you? Absolutely, Russell. That was the winning word, koinonia. That, the kid won that spelling bee on that word. K-O-I-N-I-N-I-A. That's what it says here. So. Okay, now here's... Now let's, let's get into what, what, what does it mean. And so, it was used to describe, for them, human sharing in business, law, citizenship, marriage, and friendship. But, here was the big thing that was important. It included an active element. The true meaning of communion or koinonia, it's not a passive thing. It's not just a believing in or a thinking. It's, it's a participating. You have to be doing something. It includes action. 
it included and involved active fellowship. So at this point, you guys may be wondering, well, we've had a whole chapter on the communion of saints. We've looked at, why is Dick talking about that? That's not his subject. It's supposed to be about love. Okay. Well, I'm sort of a fundamental guy, and I wanted you to be thinking about these basics. I have to go back to the beginning and start at the beginning before I can go anyplace. So I'm taking us all back to the beginning, and hopefully we're back to, when we talk about communion and saints, we have some idea of the meaning of those words. So if we're going to understand true communion, true communion, we must understand the key role that love plays in this if we are to ever experience true communion. And that's what one and two. One is not ever going to be achieved if we don't have this one. So there's a whole lot of elements, but this one is really a key core element in this thing of having a true communion. Okay. So, and remember we said it must be active. It was an active thing. Now, it's interesting, our author, in the book, and I never could figure out who the author of this book is, because it says that he's an editor or something, so I just call him the author. But, interestingly, it seems to me that the author begins his book on a negative. We're going to talk about love and getting there, and he takes the whole book and he begins, he starts out with some negative examples. He gives us an example of two leading theologians in France who spent their lives and their entire energies as bitter rivals. And what were they arguing about? They were arguing about what John Calvin had read. All their life, they argued about what John Calvin had read. Instead, instead of working on building the church in France and furthering the communion of saints, now you'd say, well, that's a terrible example. But as we go through this, stop thinking. Start thinking about the idea. Do we ever fall into some of these traps? So just put that back in your corner of your mind and ask yourself this question as we go forward. Now, these are only examples of the kind of rivalries that we as Christians have engaged in and have has led in many cases to the decline of Christianity in some countries. For example, these guys came from France. Do you know what the percentage of French people are that are Christians? Today, the latest survey is one in six are Christians in France. One in six. Now, the French, unfortunately, do not have a monopoly on these petty rivalries that diminish the idea of true communion. And as God desires, He desires true communion for us. That's what God's desire is. That's what He put us here to do. That's what His instructions were. So now, most of us, here's what our author says, and Think about this one, too, because we're, we're going to get into this. Most of us have some unresolved altercations or rivalries in our life. There's somebody somewhere that most of us have some problem with. And I thought about that. Well, do I have a problem? I can't think of one. 
But I'm sure there is or has been. Or it's, you know, and sometimes, for me, I just push it out in a corner. You know, It may be there. There may be somebody that I've got an issue with, but it's, it's not in the front of my head. I've stuffed it over there. And so maybe you fall in the same category, or maybe you, you do have some somebody that immediately comes to your mind. I don't know. But the author, author says most of us have some of these. And these human rivalries or altercations are not something unique to our time in history. Let's talk about Scripture. It gives us some amazing examples of what Satan had introduced into human life from the very beginning. Abel and Cain. Okay? Jacob and Esau. Saul and David. There it is, right back in this human rivalries, these issues. They're not new. They're not special to us. They've been around forever. Let me blot my nose here. Because I can't have my nose dripping on my paper. That would be very bad. No, I shouldn't should share everything I know. You, you told me that before, Maxine, but you know I'm a poor, poor learner. Okay. Now, this all came with our sin nature from Adam. And tonight, or t- today, I'm um, usually it's nighttime, isn't it? But it's daytime today. Uh, we're not here to spend our time talking about our problems. But we do need to recognize that we have some problems. And it's God's desires that we do something about them. It's not bad or terribly sinful that we have them. But God intends us to step up to them and do something about them. Now, if we were to talk about and understand the solution, we know that God has provided a solution for this problem because He does. Problems aren't introduced in our lives without God giving us a solution to them. So now we're going to try and talk a little bit about that. The solution that God gave us is to love our brothers and sisters. Now, how do we get to love our brothers and sisters when this is, it is not our natural inclination, is it? That is not our basic nature. We weren't. We had Adam screwed all that up. So we wind up with that's not our basic nature to, to truly love our brothers and sisters. Well, some of them, surely, but not the ones that we don't particularly like or agree with, or some. Just think of the politics today and. The, the lack of love between brothers and sisters. And we're all brothers and sisters, but boy, there's a lot of stuff going on. Okay. So now, how do we get to love our brothers and sisters when it's not our natural inclination? Well, here's an interesting thing. If we have this kind of love, if we do, and we exercise it, and we show it, it's a mark. It is evidence of Christ in our lives. So think about this thing. What is the tool, the mechanism, what did God give us to help us with having, loving our brothers and sisters? It's having Christ in our life. This chapter is not about our failures, our problems, or our rivalries. It is about God's love 
in how we are to use it and to enjoy it. The author tells us that the real surprise to him is that being our basic nature and what we, that we ever do get along and we do ever ever have harmony because of the basic nature and the way we get golly hung up in our our pride, our jealousies, all these other things. He says that harmony replacing rivalry is a sign of nothing less than having heaven on earth. So if we ever get to that point, when that day comes, we will have that. That will truly be there, but I don't think we're quite there yet. We tend to focus on the disharmony and rivalry, but most of us had at one time or another felt this harmony with another person. And this is what we are trying to achieve in our desire for communion of saints. Now, here's the question. I mentioned this feeling this sense of harmony with another person. Have any of you felt it? Do you have it? Would you share it? Would you, or are you going to be quiet about it? How about with a spouse? A brother and a sister? How about with a friend? Do any of you truly have a friend that you feel this sense of Somebody put their hand up. But hopefully some of us do, don't we? You know, so I'm not talking about some emotion, sensation, feeling, or whatever that we're totally unfamiliar with. We, we know what it is. We have, but... Would you say it's the... Exception or is it the rule? Well, do you do you feel that with most people or with a few people? It's the rule. I think that the majority of people have some problem with something. Yeah, there's there's a problem. Yeah, the majority of people have a problem with somebody, but hopefully with. I would hope we have the harmony with more than the other way around. There you go. Rush, you have yeah, I, I think of it in terms of love your brothers and sisters in Christ. Now that helps me a lot because yes. it eliminates a lot of people I don't like. <laughs> well, you, well, and we can achieve, we can achieve that goal. We know there are going to be issues. Yep. But we got to, we can achieve that goal by going to whoever it is that you're having an issue with and bringing about some kind of solution. Okay. Because a lot of times we don't know that you have an issue with us. Yep. Yep. But if you take it to them and, and talk about it, then th- that's the kind of love I think that we're referring to. Yes. Not mm-hmm. the kind where you tell everybody else you don't like them, but them. Yeah. Right. So that's, that's not right. So, so I think we're focusing on where we're trying to go. Exactly. And now as we go through this, hopefully we'll get some... I think I've got some things to give you that tell you some ideas of what can we do to actively promote this thing rather than just wishing it comes about. Okay. Yeah. God has given us what theologians call common grace. Yes. 
Christian, non-Christian, it's common grace. Because without that common grace, humanity basically would have destroyed itself yes. a long time yeah. ago. Yeah. Yeah. Because humanity has been trying to destroy itself. Right, yeah. I mean, think about the world today, which really hasn't changed from centuries. People yep. are still yeah. trying to destroy humanity. So it's only because of God's grace that right. He has allowed humanity to continue to exist for his own glory. Yep. I think common grace, as we call it, yep. for lack of a better term, that allows us to get along. Because yeah. without that common grace, it would have been over Absolutely. A long time. Absolutely. We would go back to our, our basic, I don't know, like a bunch of wolves or like a bunch of animals. It would well, just we are all basically evil people, whether yeah. we like to think so or not, because of the fall. Right. But God... Yep. His wisdom decided to give us, give humanity, yep. this thing called common grace, which allows us yep. to get along. Now, that's for everybody, not just that's for everybody. Yeah, that's for everybody. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's well his spirit restrains you, you know, in the world. Right. And so yeah, in that same sense, that's the com- his common grace to allow humanity. It could be a lot worse. It is for his own glory. Yeah. It could be a lot worse. He gave us common grace for his own glory so that his humanity would continue. Yeah, yeah, okay. Now, so this harmony that we, we feel, that emotion that I talked about, that you feel with someone, spouse, a friend, or whoever, this is the idea of the love of God enabling us to love one another. That's because of God's love or where Jim is coming from. But that's the thing that helps us. Without God's love and His building this stuff into us, we wouldn't have a chance. Now as we think about God's, think about it, selfless and holy love for us. And you consider how God felt about us who certainly were not God-loving people and what He did for people that literally hated Him. He sacrificed His own Son. So when you, know, when you talk about God's selfless and holy love, that's an example of it. But if we think of that and try to understand the kind of love that we should have for our brothers and sisters... God loved us even though we were totally unlovable. And I think, well, we're perfectly willing to love someone that loves us. But we're talking about loving someone that maybe is unlovable that doesn't love us. Now, that's where we're trying to get to. And we may be a long way from where we where, from getting there now in relation to love for our brothers and sisters from the goal we are trying to achieve. So let us see if our author in this chapter can help us in getting any closer to our objective of having the kind of love that will get us to true communion. Now to grow in our understanding of how to grow our love for our brothers and sisters, we need to begin with the good news of the gospel. Jesus' sacrifice not only provided the remedy for our sin, he provided the solution to our problem of human conflict. Through Jesus, 
we who were completely separated from God by our sin were reconciled to God. And 2 Corinthians 5.19 tells us that when God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, he was reconciling us to one another. So that's right out of Scripture, that when he was reconciling us to himself, he was reconciling us to one another. He was putting in the mechanism, the tools, the capability of doing that. Now, to help us understand how we are to reconcile one another through Christ, here's, let us, Martin Luther had some words. And let's see if this helps us any to understand what he's saying. He said this. He said, We are a community of saints under one head, and that's Christ. It is called together by the Holy Spirit in one faith, one mind, and understanding. It possesses a variety of gifts, yet is united in love. Now, notice, we all have the same indwelling Holy Spirit. Also notice, we have the three key words that unite us as believers. They are Christ, the Holy Spirit, and love. We are united in love because we are united by, to Christ by the Holy Spirit through faith. And this is where, Wes, you're supposed to read Ephesians 4, 4 through 7. I think that may support some of my words, hopefully, if I haven't got it totally messed up. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, the Father of all, who is of all, and through all, and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. That is why why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. That's good. That's good. Okay, so now we were talking about the saints. We're talking about fellow believers. And look at all of the things that unite us, that are common within us. We can think about maybe differences we have. But look at all of those things that unite every one of us as believers. God put that in there for all of us to help us in this doing what He would like us to do. Now, yeah, those were Paul's words. It's clear that the communion of saints is not something that we have to create. All of those things that are in there, we didn't have to make them. We didn't have to do something. They were given to us. God put them there. Christ put them there. They were there, these common things. We don't have to create those things. We don't have to go out and... Uh, generated ourselves it's not a do-it-yourself thing it's a God did it thing and he's already done it for us now here's where we get into the uh, probably the difficult part but it's something that we received as a gift from God's spirit God has given us to one another in love 
now that we have been given it, the communion of saints, next, we get into our part. Those things have been there. Now, we have to use them. We have to develop them. We have to maintain them. We have to take those common things He's given to us that make us united, common, brothers and sisters, and now we have to start thinking about those things, using those things, and developing this whole thing of love for the communion of the saints. Now, growing this unity that comes from the communion of saints is evidence. Here's an interesting thing that our author says. Growing this is evidence of growing in our Christian maturity. So think about that idea. Did you ever wonder if... Am I growing in my Christian maturity? Am I anywhere different than I was when I started? Is there some way I can measure this? Is there something I can look at that might give me an idea that, well, certainly in some aspect I'm growing? Well, he's telling us this thing of... How do we know if we are growing or becoming more Christ-like? The answer may lie in about how we feel in our growth, in our communion with our brothers and sisters. So as you stop and think about this, and think about... And remember, I, I, I said that we started out limiting it to the church. But really, we should go beyond there. But if you just, to make it simple, think of the church. Think of all your brothers and sisters. Think of you. Think of your relationship to them. Are we there? Do we have that harmony within this church? Be thinking about that because that's a thing how we can think about ourselves and how we're progressing and how do we feel about all of our brothers and sisters. Are there some people out there we disagree with? Do we have issues about music? Or do we have issues about order of worship? Or any of these things? Do we have issues about what church growth means? Does it mean growing in numbers and we're unhappy because we're not growing in numbers? There's a whole bunch of things going out there when you start thinking about them. But very often we don't think about them. We just blunder on. But think about those. Say again? Then you come to church well, there you go. Because somebody else likes it, you know. But, though, you know, songs are just an interesting issue, but I'm sure there are a lot more deep issues that may be running around that people can be thinking about that, that you know, that happen like, well, how many times should we have the Lord's Supper? Are we having too many or too few? Or on and on and on. There's a whole bunch of stuff. But, now, where am I? Hopefully, this chapter has given us some insight as to where we are in our journey to achieving true communion with our brothers and sisters. So you've got to be thinking about that. And hopefully you've gotten some thoughts out of this as to where you might be when you think of our, our family and our growth. Now, you can get a whole bigger thing when you move beyond and say let's think about all of our brothers and sisters not just in this church and there 
Now you got a, something even broader, and you might find more issues there. Now, we still need to learn about how to develop our skills. Remember we said we have, God gave us all these things. He put them in there. We didn't have to create them. They were there. But there's the issue of we have to do something. You notice God, God gave us all these things and He gave us free choice. And once we got these things, we got to do something with them. You either do something or do nothing or do the wrong thing or whatever, but you've got a choice. And we told about the common things that he put in all of us. One Christ, one faith. All those good things. One Holy Spirit. Now, we need to develop this thing of loving our neighbor. We know that our natural inclination, and so we get into some of these things, our pride, in some of our other sinful ways to lead us to disputes and rivalries with our brothers and sisters. Did anybody ever get a job or a position that maybe you coveted? They were a something that you should have been selected to be the something? Those are all these things running around, you know, and there's so many of them that I think one of one of the problems is uh, it may be neglect, I guess I'd call it, because we don't even think about it. But if we think about it, that's when we get into the issue of figuring out where are we? Am I doing as good as I can? Am I trying? Or am I just totally not thinking about it? Okay. Now, it's interesting... I look out at this array of brothers and sisters and it's like hey we don't have any problems we are all all of us in perfect communion with our brothers and sisters now I've been in this church long enough to know that that's not totally true so one or two conclusions You're not thinking about it. You don't want to admit it. Or maybe you're oblivious. I'm not sure. But it's. I want you to think about this whole thing. I want you to leave here thinking about where are we in this whole idea of true communion with our brothers and sisters. And I'm not sending you out there to do all of Greensboro. I'm not sending you out there to do all of the brothers and sisters in Greensboro. Just start with this one entity called LOPC. And where am I? And am I doing the best I can? Can I do better? Think about that. Now, let me see if I know where I am. Because when I start talking, I get lost. Yes. And as people in my small group know, I always have Sandy there to straighten me out. But when Sandy's not here, you know, I just wander afield. So hang in there with me. Now, 
Scripture gives us instructions that will help us in avoiding or correcting conflict. Here we go. Now, someplace I said I was going to get down to, where is it back here? Some of these things. I told you there was one and two, but now we're going to get some help in this. We're going to get some direction. It's not going to just be generalities. Scripture is pretty handy in trying to tell us how to deal with these things. Now, one of these things, this is, these are to help us in avoiding or correcting. Because we can have, if you avoid it, that's a good thing. But sometimes it's beyond avoiding. It's there. And you've got to do something about it. All right? What do you do? What do you do individually? Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And that's right from Ephesians 4, 2, and 3. So there's one thing you can do. Always speak the truth in love. Oh, I got this. I knew there was something that came up at this point. I have something here. This is it. It's all on these sheets of paper, so you will have something to take home with you. It tells you how to do all of this. So you don't you don't have to remember these pearls that I'm showing you. Here they are. Now, has everybody got, wait a lot, when do you get a sheet so that you can follow me? And Did we get enough? There's a great plenty. I was being optimistic. I made 15 of them. I thought that would be the, an amazing thing if that happened. You don't have to share. There should be one. For, there's, there aren't 15 people in here. We don't Well, you can have two of them. I mean, I went and printed them, and I don't need to take them home. They're on my computer. I can make all I want, you know. None of them apply to her. None of them apply to her. <laughs> okay. So if you've got those things, that's sort of what we're, we're going to be talking about. There's... Some of those things that are going to fall into this category of things do not do, and some of these are things that we are to do. I think right now we're talking about some things you should be doing. So it should be, if I've gotten that not screwed up, it starts out with being completely patient and gentle, or being humble and gentle, patient, bearing with one another in love, and making every effort to keep unity of spirit in the bond of peace. Then there's the always speak the truth in love. That's Marion's. You know, Marion did that paper. Yeah. Now, and that's, what I wrote that one down, and the problem when I wrote that one down, I'm not sure how to do it or what it meant. And this is where I, I didn't appreciate some thoughts, because, I, you know, the, the, you should always speak the truth. 
but when we're speaking the truth to someone that it's it's going to be hurtful to them. Jim, you've got a thought. Yeah, Please go with it. There's always a sense of harshness. Yeah. When I read this yeah. scripture, because if you're right, the truth may be a bit harsh. Right. To express to the individual. I said you're free, but it might be harsh. Yeah. And it might cause serious difficulties. Right. Including anger. Which that's yes. That's yes. Person. Yes. So that's a challenge we all have. How do we do that in love? Yeah. Well, in, 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 this is th- that's the problem. You run into these things. There's the words, but that's the easy part. Yeah. yeah. But how do you do it? How do you do it? What, and what does it really mean? And I think Jim's to the point is that last thing, the in love part. So the easy way out is just to avoid it. <laughs> that's, but that's not. That's not loving. But then you still have your problem. That's exactly right. It's, that's, and we're going to get to the point where God didn't intend for you to invo- avoid these things. He intended for you to resolve them. So when we're speaking the truth in love, and it's going to be harsh or painful or what? Russell, you, I can see. It just wants to come out. Let her rip. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, we speak God's truth. That's, that's what truth is. I mean, it's okay. not our opinions on life or what. You know, hopefully what we would share would be consistent okay. with the scripture, but that's why we've got to know God's word and speak his word. It is living and active, sharper than any double edged sword. And so if we're being led by his spirit, and you're getting all this here, it's, the key is walking in the spirit. Desiring God's you know, will, yeah. not our own. That's where we get in trouble. Uh, we want our agenda so many times. You betcha. You betcha. If we speak God's truth, we're we can be okay with that and if he's, if he's leading us to do it and it's you know, done in a way that honors him and, and it's for the betterment uh, of the person mainly being his his, his work that's what's living that's what well and I, I think you've got the key thing is he's talking about God's truth not not my truth yeah, yeah not my, my judgment as to what is truth but what sticking to God's truth if it does he, ha- he has the ability to discern that a lot of people don't yeah, I think that's what he's saying to you. Well, you know, and I think it's saying you're you're going back to God and praying and asking God, what do I say? Because God will speak to you if if you if you take the time and go back. Okay. Sometimes I feel like I default back to the Beatitudes, "Blessed are the peacemakers." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And really, by keeping the peace, you're neglecting that side of it. Yeah. Not confronting. Right, right. Okay, so the next one. This was. Uh, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And I think that one, that do not let the sun go down. Sandy and I, that, I think that is one thing that for some reason from day one, we might have some great disagreement, but the one thing we will never do, never do, is go to bed without resolving it. If, if it's me saying I'm sorry, that's... A good resolution that usually works better than any other. <laughs> but, but absolutely, absolutely, and I'll give you an example why. Uh, Sometimes you feel like you need to go to sleep instead of fight for an hour. Yeah. <laughs> that that means you probably do like you. Yeah. Because the longer you've been together, that's. 
Now, I'm looking at this thing. We 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 have to quit sometime along here, don't we? Yeah. Oh, can we go? We can't go. I have to get out and greet people. Oh, you may get out early today because I've got to greet people. So you know, we can't rush into all day long. Uh, now, this this next one, and it should be on your list. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. And that's Ephesians. Well, now, think of this. Think of this. And, and take it to heart. This, is, this isn't rocket science. This is something you don't need to be a super theologian. You don't need to be anything. All you need to be is a little bit thoughtful. Because now you're in a conversation. And maybe you've got one of these terrible thoughts you want to blurt out or whatever. Stop and think, is it going to be helpful to the other person? And if you always do that, always do that, I can tell you that the relationships you're going to have with other people will be hugely better. You, your chance of getting into a conflict are very, very minimal always going to do this but it takes this counting to ten or whatever you want to call it but thinking about it thinking about it before this thing I learned this all my life from my mother and it was in a paraphrase if you can't say anything good about somebody don't say anything at all exactly right exactly right and that's that's so hard that's so hard to remember but it's very simple well yeah, yeah. But, but what's interesting, we got into this thing of, all right, let's examine where we are today and how can we get better. And God's given us a whole set of rules that that are pretty easy to understand. But let me get to... But the second part of it is the obvious question then is how do we reconcile that with speaking the truth in love because the yeah. person to whom you're speaking the truth may consider that to be unwholesome well you first tell them something they do right yeah. So maybe that's it. It's conditioning them. Yeah, something. I agree with that. But you're speaking the truth for the purpose of building them up. You're not speaking the truth for the purpose of tearing them down. So even if it's a negative thing, you're doing to help them build them up. Okay. Yeah, don't do that. Now it says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, and brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to each other, just as Christ forgave you. Again, right out of Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. All vices, here we go. Now we're getting into this. Remember I said I had a category of things not to do. And I should be on your list right there. All vices that create conflict are condemned. And what are they? Anger, slander, and malice. Not to do's. Pretty simple. 
Now, all virtues that prevent conflict are commanded, are to do. That's my to do's. Humility, love, and kindness. And here we are. Graces that heal. We've got the conflict issue. What are the things that we've got to help heal that conflict? And these are commanded. (laughs) I love this one. Patience, compassion, and forgiveness. Think of those. Can you think of any three things that are harder for most of us? Patience. Now, maybe you're all patient people. Some of us have a great deal of difficulty with patience. I think probably compassion is something we have more of. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. You know, somebody is really... And forgive them. Okay, now... I was going to have a discussion, but we don't have time for discussion, so forget that. We have talked about love and how Christ loved us. Now, here's an interesting thing. We talked about Christ and how He loved us. We probably will not be asked to die on a cross or be crucified. Maybe, but I highly doubt it. But, we are asked to live a life of love. And this is what it means to live a life of love. We just went through those things. If you follow every one of those, you'll be living a life of love. Now, geez, I got another page. Where did all these come from? We're going to talk faster. We're not, I'm not going to get through this thing. I have screwed this up all together. But it's okay, guys. We forgive you. Thank you. Thank you. See? You see? You see it's working. We've got forgiveness already. Now, as we looked at our list of virtues for living a life of love, we see that it requires preventing and healing of conflicts. Now, our author tells us that being a part of any community means that we will all be involved with one another, whether we like it or not. In Ephesians 4.2, Paul talked about bearing with one another. We would call that, and I think someone did, putting up with one another. Inevitably, that seems to involve disagreement or If we live the life of love, we will strive to heal these conflicts with the gift that God gave us for this purpose. God gave us grace that grants us patience, compassion and forgiveness to approach someone who disagrees with us and resolve that conflict. Our natural state would be to avoid someone, but we would rather not that we would rather not deal with. But Christ said, Christ said this, first go and be reconciled to your brother. 524. He didn't say, well, you might consider this or I think it's a neat idea. He said, do it. This was a command you got from Christ. Living the life of love will not be easy, but God has given us the tools we need if, here's the big if, if we choose to use those tools. We've got them, but you've got to choose to use them. Now, uh, in this chapter, we've talked about living the life of love, and its role in the communion of saints. We've talked about some of the do's and the don'ts of living a life of love. Uh, We find it, I'm 
forget the reading because I'm going. We're running out of time. Uh, in John 3, 1334, we find the most important piece of information in this whole chapter. We find that living a life is of love. It is not an option. It is a basic command of Christ when He said, "Love one another." Memory said that. How many times have you seen him say he said that? If we are in Christ, we will strive to love our brothers and sisters. And this loving one another includes the idea of reconciliation. And this may be one of the most difficult aspects. Because I know, me personally, I'm an avoider. I just hate conflict. I'm not going to approach conflict. I'm going to turn my back and run away from it. That's not what I'm supposed to do. That area of my Christian maturity, I'm still sucking out a baby bottle. Because I have not progressed there. I am very poor in that. So loving our brothers and sisters, the reality is that some of them may be very difficult for us to associate with or even be around. Because of our differences or whatever issues we have, our only desire is to avoid them. And our author tells us that failure to commune is deeply sinful. And he finds that in Ephesians 4.14. Paul tells us this shows our spiritual immaturity. Paul equates this to being spiritually children. And clearly, if it was Jesus' intention for us to not just avoid conflict, but when they arise to be active healers and reconcilers through God's grace and our indwelling Holy Spirit, we have all we need to reconcile our differences with our brothers and sisters. John 13.35 says, By this all people will know that you are my disciples. If we have love for one another, we as a church or as individuals demonstrate or show others outside the church that we are Christ's disciples. So we we visibly demonstrate to anyone around our indwelling Christ by how we treat our brothers and sisters and the love we have for each other. So we are either showing good or bad by our actions. That we are Christ's disciples by showing our love for one another. And now, as we end this chapter on United in Love, leave, let me leave with you with two questions to ponder. Not now. Take them home with you. But I want you to ponder these questions. Think about them. Think about them. You don't even have to tell me the answers. These are for you. An in, internal thought. And it might help you to get some idea of where am I right now in this whole thing of of loving my brothers and sisters? Or where are we as a congregation? As a congregation, do we look like Christ's disciples by the love we show to one another? Think about that one. That's as a congregation. How does our own spiritual maturity when we consider our communion with our brothers and sisters. And that is the end. Two close in prayer, do I close in prayer? How do we how do we end these things?
like to close in prayer if you're Heavenly Father, thank you for this day, uh, this Sunday, this day in your house with the brothers and sisters, the day of having the Lord's Supper, and just so many, so many blessings you give us, Father. And thank you for this time that we've spent together and in, in looking at your lessons. Father, help us to, as we go out of here, to deeply in our heart feel a need, a desire to be Christian brothers and sisters and show our love to each other in all we do. Father, we ask all this in Christ's holy and precious name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. I think it's time to go.